0: Welcome to Best Friend Simulator, a quality hangout in podcast form with your simulated best friends, Josh and Dennis.
1: I had a scary date today, Josh. Well, what happened, Dennis? I saw my future. Uh-oh. My future in the form of a lonely old man who just yelled at people who would not get out of his way in the Reading Terminal market. You're not far off from that now, though. I know, but then seeing this, it made me realize that I didn't want to be that way. Like, in one instance, I guess someone didn't make enough room in the aisle, and so he had to go around them, and he goes, I guess I'll get by somehow! Ah. And then, and then we walked by him in another section, and uh somebody was like, "Oh, excuse me." And he goes, "I guess I don't have a choice, but not really to like the person's face, just to the air. Yeah, that's
0: not as cool, I think it, it that's a little passive aggressive.
1: Oh, yeah, no, no, totally. That's why I'm saying it's my future. What do you think, I'm going to yell at people? No, I'm just going to... S- yeah, that's true. You are,
0: you are pretty passive-aggressive. I'm thinking about the way you are with your, your, your bathroom boy there, the poop peeper. I'm
1: not passive-aggressive with him. I just don't know how to really address the situation.
0: You just... You got to say, stop trying to see my poop. No, you would buddy. never... If you want
1: to see my poop, I won't flush Look, next we've time. we've had complaints about how much you talk about poop on the podcast. This isn't the poop podcast. And here we are, you're talking about it again. You're just finding ways to s- slip it into the conversation.
0: Slip in the poop pin.
1: See? Now you gotta be just
0: gross. Welcome to Best Friend Simulator, everybody. We're gonna talk about poop.
1: I lis- I've been listening to a lot of the older episodes because we're compiling a little best of compilation. Uh, reveal behind the scenes working we're gonna take a couple weeks off this summer while i move and i there were a lot of i I really sigh a lot in those early episodes i mean i blame you mostly because you make me sigh but also i just it was like it was my thing and it was really annoying after a while i
0: edit out a lot of those though too now
1: (laughs) yeah you probably should it's very loud so what do you got? What's been going on, Josh?
0: Oh, jeez, man. Well, I got some exciting news, but that I won't talk about because I'm going to wait until next episode when we give our new friend update.
1: Oh shit! I got to deliver. <laughs> yeah, you really do. I know. You already made you already made stuff happen. And yo, this also went out to the listeners too. So don't yeah. forget if you if you episode forty is our next episode. So if you hung out with some new friends, no, tell no, us no, about
0: no. Forty one, we gave them.
1: Oh, shit. For
0: us, it's 40. And then 41, it's for them. So in case you missed it, not you, Dennis, but you, the BFS maniacs.
1: I mean, don't be so sure. I might have missed it.
0: You probably did miss it. You missed things I was saying to you before we started recording. Who is this? Lil' Rawls. Come on, dog. Who are you?
1: Okay, go ahead. In case we missed it.
0: We challenged ourselves to make new friends, go out and do some specific activities and try to make friends, and then we we're going to report back for episode 40, but we also extended that challenge out to you, the listener. So, episode 41, we would love to hear from you about your experiments with yeah. making new friends. I like it. Because look, everybody, the world's a hard place, especially these times. It's it's tough out there. I think with social media being what it is, it has a really counterintuitive isolation effect on us. But one of the best things I think we can all do is to try to connect with one another. We're all here. We're all in this shit together. We all like bikes or improv or, I don't know, sewing.
1: Bike improv. Bike improv. We all like when people ride bikes and do a weird dance with them, like in the movie Rad. Yes,
0: or Pee Wee's Big Adventure.
1: Yeah. You know, technically... I already hung out with new friends. Technically. In my... Did, did you have a picnic with them? Technically, I had a picnic. <laughs> no, we went to a bar. We had drinks.
0: Okay. Well, maybe we should save this for next episode then.
1: Oh, shit. I hope to hang out with them again, so we'll see.
0: Okay. Yeah, man. So, lost my track here, didn't I? What
1: the fuck was I going to say? You better say
0: something. My brain just shut down. Jesus Christ. Oh, uh, yeah. A little, little bit of synchronicity this week. I started listening to a new podcast called The Gateway. Have you heard anything about this, Dennis?
1: Um, they talk about computers from like the early two thousands?
0: Yes. And that great that kid in the commercial with those big glasses.
1: Oh, that that was the gateway kid.
0: I think so. Yeah. He had like a mullet. Oh
1: god. And there was like a voiceover talking to him?
0: Yeah. Like a an older man talking to him. Hmm. He reminded me of like that kid that would sit, you know, at our table because we were the nerds. So we, we got the cast offs right, at, our, at right. our lunch tables in school. Uh-huh. He seemed like the type of kid that would like sit at our table and I just would hate every time we talked. That type of person.
1: Are you saying you hated some of the other cast offs? Yeah. How could you? I mean, I didn't That's...
0: like I didn't like hate hate them. They were it's annoying. The... I mean, I, I I get why we were all cast offs. I mean, don't you think we were annoying? Yeah. That's why we were at the cast-offs table.
1: I still don't understand why I was at that table.
0: I know why. You're a big city boy. (laughs) So things are different out in the country? You're, You're too worldly out in the country.
1: I kept wanting to talk about ballet and shit, and people were upset. Exactly. Oh, you seen this new Cirque du Soleil, guys? That's how I talked? is it? So you have, <laughs> so first of all, you have one voice. You have one voice, and now my voice as a child is your like uh, Joey Bag of self. Donuts, right? your Joey Bag of Donuts. That's because you're a city guy.
0: I, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of, I'm taking the city aspect and heightening it.
1: Hey, it's me, your new classmate, Dennis. I'm hey. twelve years old. Let's go get a ravioli. One ravioli, <laughs> just one. You guys don't have ravioli here. Where am I? yay. <laughs> so anyway, I was at the Met. <laughs> uh yeah. And scene.
0: Alright. So yeah, the, the this podcast, The Gateway. It's an investigative podcast going Did you into say
1: investigative? Yeah. Not investigative?
0: I don't know. Six of these five ten of those.
1: Investigative.
0: Which doesn't make sense to people. That's the thing that our friend Sal says instead of six of these, half dozen of those. Don't but like now, a lot of things. I I say that now, like that's where my oh, yeah. brain goes. Yeah,
1: I don't think a lot of things make sense to Sal. It's true. I uh, I think I said uh, my stepfather always used to say six of these, half dozen of those. Yeah, and I said that to my high school girlfriend's mother, and she was like, "Dennis, that's the same thing." I was like, <laughs> "That's." Yes, yes, you get it now. You get it.
0: (laughs) There you go. Anyway, for a third time, let's get back on track here.
1: Gateway Drug Podcast.
0: The Gateway, it's about this woman that's a spiritual leader named Teal Swan. I recommend it. It's it's pretty cool. It seems like it could go in some interesting directions. She's kind of shady. They didn't get into it too much. But she has like kind of burgeoning cult leader vibes. Wait, is it
1: is it real like fiction or nonfiction?
0: No, that's the investigative part. She's being investigated by by this this man doing the podcast.
1: Teal Swan. Yes. But
0: the thing that is interesting and that kind of connects it to where my brain has been is that she initially when she came onto the scene had all these wild claims about being a ritual abuse survivor. Interesting. And one of the claims that she had was that she was sewn inside of a human body, like sewn into a human body.
1: Whoa. That's nuts. Now, there was that baby that was sewn into a teddy bear that they tried to smuggle over the US-Mexico border. Hmm.
0: So like the book Song of Kali, where smugglers kidnapped somebody's baby and then cut them open and then stuffed them full of gems and then tried to bring that onto an airplane. Mm
1: -hmm. You know, the Dan Simmons novel. Mm -hmm no maybe
0: that's pretty gnarly that's a gnarly just book like that. Also, it sounds I think like it, it i think it was pretty racist too
1: well i'm glad we're talking <laughs> about it here on our investigative podcast
0: it's called the branch where we just follow every single topic
1: that come up in our stupid brains speaking of brains no i don't have anything
0: oh i have something I, oh, I, then tell us. Tell us, please. I got into it with a parking garage attendant this week.
1: What do you mean, got into it? Like tell fist, the story.
0: Like fisticuffs.
1: What? No. no, Not not
0: Josh. I've never been involved in fisticuffs in my life.
1: Wait, did he recognize you? And he wanted to punch you so hard because he loved you? Yeah. Dude.
0: Uh, no. I was writing- Oh, riding...
1: shit. Was it the real Joey Bag of Donuts and he got up and he figured out you've been making fun of him all these, all these months?
0: Yeah. It's like, oh what the fuck man what do you what do you think this is
1: you think I'm a joke see in improv Josh that was called gifting I give you a gift oh to do your Joey bag of Donuts I graciously oh. accept the oh. gift oh ah oh. moment of reference thank you very much <laughs> Prayer hands prayer hands prayer hands
0: gratitude namaste namaste um did you
1: say namaste to him at any point
0: that would have been a good way to to wrap things up I think so long story short. I was riding my bicycle downtown. I went to a screening of a film with a friend.
1: And I'm the worldly one.
0: If you can believe that.
1: <laughs> You're going to film screenings. Uh, like
0: a... A listener Brent is a. Oh! Yeah, he's a film critic, so he always invites me to come along to see the horror movies before they come out. I do uh, like that guy. Good dude. We should have him on the show to talk about movies sometime.
1: Would love to.
0: Yes. Yeah, by the way, Hereditary, fucking awesome movie hereditary highly highly recommend it if you like horror movies you dennis or you bfs maniacs it's yeah one of the best i've seen in a long time so i was coming home and that movie has a pretty heavy oppressive atmosphere it kind of gets in your head so i was just biking back like kind of just thinking about that and i was downtown and i made a left into a protected bike lane on the left-hand side of the road second street for the seattle folks Mm. second second avenue second avenue yeah um However, there's a sign that says no turn on red there. I circumvented said rule, came to a stop because there was a parking garage attendant ushering cars out of a parking garage. And I was just sitting there waiting patiently. And then when the cars passed, he looked at me. He was like, you know, the, that no turn on red applies to bikes, too. And I was like,
1: oh, you were riding your
0: bike. I was riding my bicycle. And I was, I was like, I, think I missed I, that part. Sorry. Yeah. I was like, excuse me. He's like. You know, that applies to you, too. He's like, I know you don't think the laws apply to you. Ooh. And he was like, it's real sour faced. Like, he looked like I mean, he was just sitting on some fucking a lifetime of disappointment or something.
1: I thought you were going to say sitting on like a lemon and it went. Sitting on a lemon. But it made him sour. But what you
0: said made a lot more sense. Anyway, he got, a, he got a sour butt. So I tried to briefly chat with him a little bit about this. You know, so
1: there's my wanna- there's my problem. Th- 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 yes thank you for <laughs> recognizing that he obviously just wanted to be shitty
0: yeah i know I, I i was just i i stumble for words those of you listening may have noticed this before especially in intense situations and i was just like look man traffic laws written for bikes are usually just dumbed down versions of laws for cars and they don't make a lot of sense i was like so i break them sometimes but i always do it in a really safe way but at this point, he was just like, he turned his head and was walking away from me. So I just said, well, okay, man, I'm sorry you feel that way. And I rode away. I wanted to to get into further detail and talk to him about the Idaho stop, which is treating a stop sign as a yield sign, red light as a stop sign, which is what I, I tend to do. I'll wait at red lights if it's busy, whatever. But then for the next like half hour or so that took me to get home, I just stewed over it and I felt as sour as that old man when I got home.
1: Okay. Can I make two observations? Yeah. One, the fact that you thought you got close to fisticuffs makes me think that you've never gotten into a fight. That was a joke. That was not me getting close to fisticuffs. B, I'm not defending this person, Mm -hmm. but if people follow the... Laws. The if bikers follow the laws in Seattle even half as much as they do in Philly. I'm sure he's had his number of like run with people like I almost smashing into him.
0: I thought of this too. For That's sure, I'm, I'm not going to yeah. defend
1: him. I'm just going to say he's no, no. got the right I, I thought of this
0: too, and I I mean I deal with people on bikes that don't. Pay any fucking attention to what they're doing, too, and it pisses me off. But but the thing is, I didn't blow through the light. Like, I came, I stopped. Part of why I made the left was that there were a bunch of big trucks by me, and I didn't want to get, like, boxed in by them. Sure, sure. And so I stopped, I looked both ways twice, and then slowly turned into the protected bike lane where there's no cars or anything. And then I just sat and waited while he ushered the cars through.
1: Yeah, I mean, he obviously hates himself and was trying to be a big man, but... yeah. Oh, like in Philly, the thing I don't understand is people will, like all bikers, you know, just blow through stop signs, which that's not the part I have a problem with. Mm-hmm. The part I have a problem with is I never see one person look, and I've ridden a, I've ridden a bike in Philadelphia for years. Mm-hmm. I've never seen one person fucking look like even like, Three cars back, like, oh, is anybody coming up the street kind of thing? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, is anybody coming to my left? No, straight ahead. No fucking looking. No helmet. Headphones in. Mm -hmm. My question is, why are you just putting your life into other people's hands? It seems so insane. Yeah. Oh, these cars will stop because I'm coming. Uh, 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 I I can only assume that these people haven't lived in Philadelphia very long because this isn't like... This ain't Seattle. Yeah. Where everybody's going to be like no you go, no you go, no you go. This is Philly where people would be like, "Oh, I'm going to kill that person." Yeah. "Because I'm bored today."
0: I've said it before. There are intersections in Seattle all throughout Seattle where two streets intersect and there's no signs, no lights, nothing. It's just like, "They'll work it out."
1: That's That's insane. That can't happen here.
0: Coming from Philadelphia to here, I was like, what? I just, I always picture what would happen if the entire population of Philly got transported to Seattle and just how that would go down with people driving.
1: Constant smash em ups, constant death. There's a.
0: Automotive death.
1: Near my house, there's a stretch of a street that is like, in Philly standards, like a mile. It's not a mile, it's like. Five blocks where there's no stop sign, mm-hmm. and so people don't drive like twenty down that street. They, they get just, up to fifty. Yeah, they just con- they just lay on the pedal, the gas yeah. pedal, to c- constantly increase. So they had to put speed bumps on the road so people stop doing that. Mm-hmm. And people still fly over the speed bumps. Yeah. Now I figured out that if I only drive with part of my wheels on the speed bump, that I could drive a little faster. Cool. But I don't do fifty. Daily 25. Yeah. It is cool.
0: I hate cars. I'm going to say that.
1: Uh, see, I like, the, I like my car. Like They're
0: ruining the world. Places.
1: Yeah. It's another episode.
0: That's another episode.
1: That'll be a real fun one for everybody to listen to.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe we'll find a way to make it funnier than this. Mm-hmm. See what I can do. <laughs> oh. All right. Le- wait, All let, right. Me, let me test out one other thing, though. It, you know how you have like an, it, a weird interaction with somebody and then the right thing comes later?
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, let's hear it. What if
0: I just looked around and said, hey, we got Judge Dredd over here.
1: Mm, mm, I think you need something that, like, a, more, a little more universal. Uh, how about, I mean, Judge Judy would be perfect.
0: Judge Judy. Okay. You don't, you don't like that? Judge Judy.
1: She's a television personality.
0: What if I showed on my wicker basket? What?
1: <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> You always got to take it down. The, do, are you afraid like nobody's been listening to you? So you got to say something outlandish. Are you you are you're an in you, you are a secret bro, isn't it? Aren't you? Isn't you? Who me? Yeah, you're always saying crazy things. So your friends will laugh at you. You're always saying controversial things. So your friends will laugh at you. Is my saying wicker basket controversial? You know what I mean? You know, I know what you meant. That's why.
0: <laughs> what? Okay, what did I mean? You're talking about your, your junk. No. What are we talking about? Wicker basket was a nothing thing. I just said it because it sounded evocative of something, but it actually has no meaning behind it.
1: Oh, see, I thought you were talking about your private area. No, I thought you were talking about your bathing suit area because every one of the nonsense things you say, you mean your it means your bathing suit area or poop. Oh boy! All right, Josh, Yo. let's talk about our giveaway. Can you put that in the? can you put that in the in post yeah great Is <laughs> just is this just gonna be a recording of me
0: saying it over and over
1: again
0: <laughs> uh it wasn't, but now it probably is
1: fantastic, so why don't you tell- tell the listeners about our special giveaway so I was <laughs> sorry
0: I was out and about running some errands today, and I stopped by the the nearest half price books. I was perusing the paranormal section, as I want to do, and I picked up uh, a copy of The Field Guide to Extraterrestrials A Complete Overview of Alien Lifeforms Based on Actual Accounts and Sightings by Patrick Huyg. Huyg. Uh, I already own a copy of this book. And I posted about it on Instagram a while ago. It's got some very delightful illustrations in it of alien beings that people claim to have encountered. It's got, you know, short little write ups. It's, it's a really cool book. So we decided we're going to have a little giveaway.
1: So how this works is we're going to post on Instagram
0: that when this episode drops,
1: when this episode drops, and we want you to comment with a topic for the show. And best topic, A, wins the book, B, we'll, we're going to do an episode about your topic. And even if we, you
0: don't win the book, we might still do your topic at some point.
1: Yeah. We're just going to steal ideas from you and only give one book away.
0: But we will credit you when we do the topic.
1: Of course. So, when you hear this episode, go to Instagram, check out the... What do you put on Instagram? Check out our post... Comment with your topic, and then we'll give you the book. We did not practice this before we started recording.
0: I will mail you the this God-pounding book This is with funds from my own pocket.
1: This is going to be a great idea.
0: Because I love you.
1: Because Josh loves you.
0: You hear me? I love you.
1: He means it.
0: You're a good friend to me.
1: We love all of our listeners.
0: I really appreciate your listening to the show.
1: You maniacs.
0: You're great. You're beautiful. Josh. You, you can do it. Josh, I believe in you.
1: Josh. Josh, moment of reverence for, for the listeners. Moment of reverence, prayer hands for the listeners. Thank you, thank you. All right. All right. So we are about to wrap up our multi-part series on the Satanic Panic, the last episode of Best, Best Friends friend Satanator. Well, we can do that better. Okay. We'll, pra- we'll practice. Yeah. We'll practice later. Oh, you want to do it now? No. Okay. All right. So today we're going to talk about repressed memories. This is a big topic that goes throughout the satanic panic, satanic ritual abuse, the daycare center abuse stuff. A lot of uh, a lot of talk about repressed memories. So I wanted to talk about that. Give a little history, little controversy. Yeah. Controversy. Controversy.
0: Con- Conchie. Hawken.
1: can we be investigative journalists if we can't say controversy no fantastic okay that's, so that's why me-
0: we're doing this show instead
1: exactly so let me get started all right so a little history on this uh Freud you all know Freud father of psychoanalysis father of psychotherapy whatever you want to call him Freud developed a theory that the mind banishes traumatic childhood events to prevent overwhelming anxiety <laughs> um is that your sound effect for that's banishing? that's a traumatic event okay Being banished. Good job. So, in his theory, a therapist needed to tell the patient what the memory is. So, you can already see that this is starting to go down a bad path. Seems fine. Uh, This has never been verified by scientific proof, and there's little scientific evidence to support either the notion that traumatic experiences are typically unconsciously repressed, or that unconscious memories of traumatic events are significant factors in physical or mental illness. I mean, typically, you remember, right? You t- people do push it away and push it down, but they don't repress them totally to where it's like, I don't know what happened. What yeah, do you mean, just like you don't tell somebody gone. this thing happened, right? So according, according to the American um, Psychiatric Association. There's little or no empirical support for the concept of repressed or disassociated memories of any kind of abuse. There's uh, considerable evidence that rather than being pushed out of consciousness, the difficulty with traumatic memories for most people are there is the inability for them to forget. So the total opposite what all of these uh, Michelle remembers and these daycare center cases are trying to say.
0: Yeah, it, it, that type of stuff sticks with you over time. And it, it remains a part of your life. It doesn't just go away.
1: Now, there is a concept of disassociative amnesia, uh, where individuals are separated from their memories, suffering abnormal memory loss in ways that significantly affect their lives. And they, and they cannot remember certain autobiographical information, but it's not exactly what what was going on with these cases that we've been presenting the past few weeks. Now, so then there's this... Uh, go ahead. So do I have that? Disassociative amnesia? Yeah. About what?
0: About, like, stuff that happened in my life, like, recently.
1: What do you think you forgot?
0: You know, like, did I go to the store the other day?
1: Is that dissociative amnesia? No, no, no. That's just called you don't pay attention to the things you do.
0: Okay, that's fair.
1: That's called disassociative slamnesia. You mosh too hard and your brain gets jostled around. All right, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to make an Onyx joke. But you couldn't do it? I just couldn't, yeah. I, I, think I think my my dissociative amnesia is getting in the way.
1: I love when you tell me about the jokes that don't work in your brain. I, I gotta get them out there in some form. Okay, so. Uh, then there's this idea of explicit versus implicit memory. If explicit memory is impaired, you forget what happened to you, but implicit memory is intact. You may still be profoundly influenced by the experience. Um, there's another uh, psychiatrist uh, Siegel, I forget his first name Uh, he thinks that some individuals oh, Dan Siegel, sorry, he thinks that some individuals remove conscious attention during repeated trauma like from an unbearable event that, uh, but in the parlance of the mind trade, they dissociate, so that's where the dissociative amnesia comes in, Mm -hmm. also um, I copied some of these from articles I would never say the term in the parlance of the mind trade (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway i i'm picturing fancy dentist now uh <laughs> josh in the pilots of the mind trade which i am a, a member of okay. I, I picture do you remember
0: back in the day when like you had to get dressed up and you would part your hair in the middle and like kind of slick it down come on man i picture that style
1: i, I didn't know, really know how to dress so i thought that that was like fancy
0: Dog, I had a goatee for how many years?
1: Oh, why did you have that goatee? And and nobody told me. But you didn't have it because you thought it was fancy. You had it because you thought it was cool.
0: Yeah, that's the worst part.
1: Okay, so this person, uh, uh, Tema Ehrenfeld, she says that the recovered memory movement of the 80s, which surged in the 80s, seems to have a... been somewhat a backlash against 40 years of denying true accounts of sexual abuse. So Hmm. I I thought this was a really interesting take on the whole thing. Uh, Freud's American followers came to routinely dismiss accounts of incest as fantasies. Right. So, that idea actually worked in courts as well, and uh, worked against many women or children who accused men, says this, this writer, Richard Webster, uh, again and again, women found that their own entirely genuine memories of sexual abuse were discounted or denied by psychotherapists. Yikes. And again and again, the factual accounts of distraught and distressed children were dismi- dismissed as fantasies. So, this is a, I thought this was a really interesting argument as to why all that surged in the 80s so this as like, was- a movement.
0: So this was like a backlash against that?
1: Yes, yeah. So these, this she's saying what these two folks are saying is the repressed memory movement is almost a backlash against all of those people who were never believed that these crimes happened. to them. Right. So like the who, who do
0: they think kind of spearheaded this movement then? Is this Dude, like psychoanalysts themselves doing it? Cause it seems like they are very closely tied to it. Right.
1: Yeah, but it it's not really clear who spearheaded it. But I think what they're trying to say is people were just accusers were trying to find any way for oh, folks okay. to believe them.
0: I got it. So it's like nobody believed them initially, so it's almost like they're overcompensating. Right, at right, this right, point. right, right, right. Okay. Right. Yeah. I got it.
1: Other evidence suggests that people who report childhood abuse are more likely to suffer from sleep paralysis, where you mentally we, when we which we talked about a lot in the podcast. Yeah, um, sleep paralysis can include tactile and visual hallucinations, right. often of threatening intruders in the bedroom. It's possible to interpret these hallucinations as bits of old, unclear memories. So remember, we talked about these two researchers when we were talking about alien abductions, McNally mm-hmm. and Clancy. Yeah, Susan they Clancy. They started. Yes, thank you. They started studying people who said they were abducted while studying memory recall in victims of childhood trauma, and experiencers exhibited high rates of false recall and the tendency to create false memories. Not necessarily lying, just distorted memories combined with high levels of absorption or inclination to fantasy. Susceptibility to creating false memories, coupled with a disturbing experience like sleep paralysis and a cultural script, allows for abduction of aliens may need... allows... That allows for abduction by aliens that may lead one to falsely recall such an encounter. Right. Yeah.
0: And uh, Susan Clancy, I've read her book Abducted, which is, yeah, it's abducted it's with the subtitle How People Come to Believe They Were Kidnapped by Aliens. And it's a really good kind of breakdown of this specifically, like uh, dealing with, you know, with alien abduction stuff. So it's a great book. But um, yeah, so I mean, that that's 100%. This is... The same exact thing that's happening in these satanic panic cases as the stuff that happens with Linda Napolitano or, you know, other
1: experiencers. Yeah, so I thought that was an interesting little bit of history about where some of this, some of this stuff came about and uh, kind of the different viewpoints about it. So, uh, uh did you?
0: Yeah, and the so cul- we- the cultural script part is really fascinating to me, too. in the way that that informs the people on what they actually remember. The way it's like a, a kind of a collage of, of stuff thrown together piecemeal in their brain to form this this memory.
1: Oh yeah, and, and that's part of the reason why, especially in alien abduction stuff, you know, all of the aliens kind of look the same. Right. Maybe not now, but there was a point where they all look pretty similar.
0: Yeah. And the thing about it that it was really interesting was if you look back at like Pre betty and barney hill that mm-hmm. case that is kind of like the defining one that defined our era it came after i think there was an outer limits episode that featured aliens that kind of looked like the prototypical greys mm-hmm. prior to all of that alien encounters that, that the aliens described were all wildly different from one another right. but it was only after this case got very publicized that it sort of entered that cultural zeitgeist and people started to recall things that fit that script
1: yeah it's 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 pretty interesting how it changes from culture to culture. Yeah, okay, and, so,
0: and this stuff, I yeah. mean, that, that whole concept, I mean, goes back. There have been a lot of people who, on the skeptical side of things and also on the believer side of things, talk about how alien abduction stories of today were just the, the fairy abduction stories of ancient Britain or whatever.
1: Right. So let me talk about some of the studies that have been done. So the power of suggestion is really intense in some of these studies, um, which power suggestion we talked about in in the daycare center stuff Mm -hmm. when they were doing the questioning of the children so a classic experiment in memory research conducted by elizabeth loftus became widely known as lost in the mall so in this subjects were given a booklet containing three accounts of real childhood events written by family members and a fourth account of a wholly fictitious event of being lost in a shopping mall a quarter of the subjects reported remembering the fictitious event and elaborated on it with extensive circumstantial detail.
0: We, we talked about this a little bit during the, the Brooklyn Bridge abduction case, didn't we?
1: Oh, maybe we did.
0: Yeah, I think I, I briefly mentioned it because it came up in some of the stuff I was looking up.
1: Yeah, so if you just tell somebody like, oh, by the way, this also happened to you too, they believe you. I mean, if they want to. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's another landmark study in Nature, I think that's Nature Magazine, indicates that any emotion, even ordinary emotion, is linked to learning. They gave two groups of college students a drug that blocks the effects of adrenaline and noradrenaline, then showed the students a series of 12 slides that depicted scenes such as a boy crossing the street with his mother or visiting a man at a hospital. A controlled group was told an ordinary story. Son and a mother visit the boy's surgeon father. So they'll show a picture of two, two people visiting a hospital. They'll tell them that's a story. And that, that corresponded to some of the slides. Mm-hmm. The experimental group heard a story of disaster. The boy was hit by a car. A surgeon attempts to reattach his severed feet. Like, they get really extreme. Two weeks later, the volunteers were given a surprise memory test. Students who heard the ordinary story recalled all 12 slides poorly. So, you tell somebody like, hey, th- remember this picture? It's about like two people go for a walk. They're not going to remember that. But the second group recalled significantly better the slides associated with the story of the disaster.
0: Right. Yeah. If there was so, kind of, yeah.
1: Right, cuz you need so many you need so many points of reference to to remember something sometimes. Mhm. So, yeah, I thought that was an interesting study. Okay, so here's the controversy. Professionals don't agree. Roughly 60 to 80% of clinicians, psychoanalysts, therapists, um, all those folks, they uh, surveyed um, agree to some extent that traumatic memories are often repressed and can be retrieved in therapy. Hmm. That's compared to less than 30% of research-oriented psychologists. Established researchers in clinic, clinical psychology as well as memory researchers are generally skeptical of the notion of repressed memory.
0: Yeah, so, so those using kind of evidence-based techniques are, are less likely to believe this stuff.
1: Exactly, because look, there's clinicians out there, and, and I mean, you had a really terrible example in the, uh, the Oak Hill case, which is there was one therapist... That's where all of the story that all the Mm -hmm. kids who had stories came from this one therapist because that therapist just felt like something was wrong.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the same thing with the the Michelle remembers case. Uh, You had uh, Lawrence Pazder, who totally fabricated Michelle's memories. And I mean, one of the interesting things I, I meant to bring up back on that first episode, but I figured I'd wait until repressed memories was that. A lot of the stuff that she discussed, a lot of the memories that she recalled and the rituals she took part of, seemed to have weird similarities to stories of West African cult rituals. And Pazder actually spent a long time in West Africa and was very fascinated by these things, talked to people about them all the time. So it's interesting that she goes into a hypnotic state and comes out with these stories that sound a lot like the stories that he's really interested in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So... Now, there's this uh, this foundation called the False Memory Syndrome Foundation. Mm-hmm. It was started by a woman whose husband was falsely accused of sexual abuse by their adult daughter. The group has attracted a following of psychiatrists and mental health professionals who say that while child abuse does exist, of course, obviously, thousands of Americans have been accused of horrors that didn't happen. They blame colleagues who coax accusations and presume that anyone charging abuse must be telling the truth. Okay. So, so far, it's like, okay, I gotcha, right? I'm with you a little bit. Dr. Elizabeth Brett, president of the International Society for Traumatic Stress Studies, said the foundation has ignored decades of evidence that people can forget the worst features of natural disasters and war, as well as sexual abuse. Sometimes, she said, the memory is rekindled years later by sights, sounds, smells, or experiences that remind them of the event. So that kind of rides that line between what we've been talking about, how it's Memories are not hidden, but then also some people think that they can be brought back by certain events.
0: But wait, it isn't kind of the prevailing attitude, though, that, I mean, from those who study this stuff, that this isn't the case? Like, there's not evidence for it, right?
1: Right. Right. So there's no evidence, but people still feel like it can. That's the thing. It's like, what what Dr. Brett is saying is that they're not exactly repressed- I, th- but they can be pushed down, like I was saying earlier. But that doesn't like just you don't you don't forget you were in war, and then you see like a a war movie, and then you, and then you're all of a sudden you're just like oh my god war right you know y- you're just like I don't want to think about that I don't want to think about that I don't want to think about that oh my god that's making me think about it yeah.
0: so or like you go to the store and you see a big ham hock and then suddenly you remember oh my god I got sewn into a corpse.
1: Or like that, yes. Some big
0: old ham hock.
1: Yeah, the do- this doctor, yeah. So I think Doctor <laughs> Brett is like trying to say there can be repressed memories, but so here's the kicker, Josh. All right. About the False Memory Syndrome Foundation. Hit me. Uh, families were referred to the foundation by Ralph Underwager and Hollida Wakefeld. Not real people. Doesn't sound like it. There were a husband and wife team who are – they are a husband and wife team who are prominent advocates for people accused of molesting children. Shortly Ooh. before the founding of the False Memory Syndrome Foundation, they gave an interview to the editor of Piedica, the Journal of Pedophilia, a Dutch journal that promotes social acceptance for oh. pedophilia. In the article, Underwager expressed his belief that choosing pedophilia can be a responsible choice for an individual. Oh, yeah. Yikes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, and this is the thing that when I first heard about the False Memory Syndrome Foundation, I think it was, I was doing some preliminary research into satanic ritual abuse stuff. And a lot of people were coming hard at them and saying that they were just an organization trying to protect pedophiles. Yeah. Yeah. Like,
1: I get the, okay, there's definitely false accusations of that, but- yeah of of any of any crimes right but to focus on that is totally missing the point because even if you have a hundred of these crimes is there one that's that's false does that mean like that's why are you starting a foundation to focus on that one and not a foundation to focus on the 99 real child abuse cases that are happening like it's it's, it just it just makes a little red flag go off, and then you find this shit about, oh, <laughs> these couple people involved are really into protecting pedophiles and promoting pedophilia, so that's a little, uh, eh, we don't like it. So there's also the International Society for the Study of Trauma and Dissociation. Lucien Greaves of the Satanic Temple, which is separate than the Church of Satan, um, mm-hmm. he called them out. In a blog post saying they, pre- they present themselves, so hi- this is his quote, The ISSTD, uh, which is an unfortunate acronym, presents <laughs> itself as merely this professional organization for people involved with dissociative disorders, but you don't have to look very far beneath the surface to find that it's full of the old claimants of satanic ritual abuse. In Mm. fact, ISS-TD founder Brennan Bond lost his medical license, but only temporarily and only after a good deal of media-driven outrage, after convincing an MPD-diagnosed client under hypnosis... uh, MPD? What's MPD? Multiple personality disorders. Okay. Which, by the way, in 2018 is not a diagnosis. Right. It doesn't exist anymore. It's dissociative disorder. So, um... The ISSTD founder lost his medical license after convincing a multiple personality disorder diagnosed client, quote-unquote, under hypnosis and on heavy medication, that she possessed 300 personalities, ate human flesh, and sexually abused her two sons. The victim of this, quote-unquote, treatment ultimately became convinced that Braun had coerced her into manufacturing her implausible memories, as well as her overwhelming population of alternate personalities, whereupon she filed a malpractice suit and won a $10.6 million settlement. Holy crap. Yeah. And look, this brings us (laughs) time and time again, why would people want to pull this out of people? It's money. Why would... Why would... Lawrence Passer want to pull this stuff out of Michelle. They wrote, so you can write a book. They wrote a book. They went on talks. Uh, they went on. They went on uh, talking tours, speaking tours. Right. We re- yeah. we read about one of the kids' families in the Oak Hill uh, daycare center thing went on to sue everybody in the town. Yeah. Because they let this happen. Like come on.
0: Now, it, we I, I do again, we've we've said it several times, but I do want to make the distinction yes. here that we are aiming our our criticisms at the people starting these memories. Uh, the, the 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 psychiatrists right. and and the mental health professionals who are putting these people under. The the people who have these memories, they believe them. That that's a legitimate thing. Mm-hmm. They're not lying, they're not psychotic. You know, they're they're legitimately, for the most part, victim in this situation.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it seems like this person uh, in the last example we gave, this person went to this doctor and needed help. And the doctor was like, oh, yeah, you had 300 personalities and you ate human flesh and you abused your sons. Like, that's not something that you that's not something that you repress.
0: Right, right. And that's where the real damage occurs. You know that's where the real trauma occurs in a way is that these people are made to believe that this stuff happened to them, and that's what really fucks them up, and that's that's the big issue with all this stuff.
1: Yeah, and then usually what happens is that the people get called liars, not the not the doctors, not the professionals.
0: Yeah, exactly. They get they're exempt and everything all the division is aimed at the people who have these memories.
1: Look, basically if someone comes to you and says, "Yo, this bad shit happened to me." Listen to them. But don't try to pull something from someone that may not be there.
0: Yeah. Hmm. For monetary gain. Mm. Especially.
1: Sorry to end the Satanic Panic episodes on such a downer, but we just yeah. I we just been talking about the repressed memory stuff in in each example that we were using about the satanic ritual abuse so i thought yeah well i mean that that the
0: whole the phenomena couldn't have occurred if it wasn't for this right false memory stuff so i felt like we needed to take
1: a little looky-loo down the uh yeah
0: and it's fascinating and it's come up before and it will definitely come up again because this stuff is is woven throughout kind of paranormal claims and stuff but you mentioned that this stuff is a bummer. And it is, you know, like people's lives have been ruined by claims of satanic ritual abuse on, on both sides of it. Yeah. People who have these false memories and people who have been accused of things that they didn't actually commit. And and that's a huge bummer. And I you know, I want to recognize that. But our friend Alan actually texted me when he listened to the last episode and brought up that we should mention some of the good things that came out of the satanic panic.
1: I'm all ears. S-
0: such as giving awkward outsider teens great lists of music to get into. Like, I mean, if you look back at all the stuff that was on the list of Satanic Panic stuff to avoid, it was all like the coolest shit out there. Like the shit that I still love to this day, like heavy metal, D&D, horror movies, like all the shit that I love and I have loved since I was a kid, like are all there. So, I mean, it was a great way for people to find out about that stuff back in the day when we didn't have google and spotify and, and shit
1: well it's like when i watched that geraldo rivera special on youtube and they interviewed king diamond there's no way some like kids who are just waiting for like something cool to do watch that and weren't like Oh shit that dude's awesome
0: dude right on that was how i found out about king diamond as a kid was he was on like talk shows and shit talking about satan
1: wearing the face makeup
0: yeah wearing the face makeup oh, he's the best and look so yeah that that's that's one of the good things to come out of all of this. It gave us ample opportunities to find the cool shit in the world that otherwise maybe wouldn't have reached us.
1: Yeah, who doesn't like D&D? It's great. I've been playing for years. I'm not satanic. I'm a little satanic.
0: Uh, hey guys. Ah, oh, Satan, dude, welcome back. Uh, I don't know why everybody's saying all this stuff about me, man. Oh, I just like to have a good time. time. Hey, Satan, do you want to join my D&D campaign?
1: Uh, only,
0: only if I, I get to be, be an elf. Hey, you got it, buddy. Sweet.
1: Pass <laughs> me that G20. End scene.
0: End
1: scene. What do you mean? Now, you... I told you. You can use the bathroom. You don't have to ask every time. And anyway, that guy. He, he's, so, he's so polite. He's so polite. I don't know why he's got such a bad think rap. think that
0: as the Prince of Darkness, he would not be as cool as he is. He's just a chill, fun-loving dude. He's chill. He's chill. That's very considerate. Yeah. And there you have it. Best Friend Simulator
1: endorses Satan. <laughs> Printed on a T-shirt, you can take that to the bank. All right, all right, that was a good, uh, yeah, that was a good, uh, good arc about Satanic panic and Satanic ritual abuse.
0: Yeah, I like, I like, I said this is a topic I'm kind of endlessly fascinated with, and we could go on even more. But you know, we spent a month talking about Satan, so I'm sure he will rear his horned head in the future
1: <laughs> that was uh that was satan he was on his sleigh and he was like flying out of my house <laughs> off the roof of my house uh all right so we got some uh, he was, what
0: he's hooking up his, his rain and blood deer <laughs>
1: oh get out get out of the podcast <laughs> you're done all right so next couple of weeks we got some uh what do we got coming up
0: what do we have coming up well, next week, I think we are going to focus on friendship. Oh, that's right. With, the, with our friendship updates. Yes. And other than that, I got some stuff in the pipeline. We'll see. We'll see which one I get to. I haven't decided yet.
1: Ah, keeping them on their uh, toes,
0: as they say. We are going to discuss the Montauk Project in the near future. I
1: can't I'm, I can't wait. I love this the Montauk Project. It's one of my
0: project. fucking favorites. I'm rereading the book right now and taking some notes. Nice. So. But I don't think that's going to be... That'll, that'll probably be after our break.
1: I still have the Quantum Bigfoot book on my nightstand that I've been <laughs> pushing off reading. <laughs> Excellent.
0: Nice. Uh, and yeah, just as a reminder, too, we're going to be taking off most of July, but there's still going to be stuff in the feed. You're going to be getting something every episode or every week. Every week. It, they they won't necessarily be new Best friend simulator episodes, but there'll be some bonus content you're gonna, for you to hold you over.
1: You're going to love it. I'm moving and it's hot, so uh, I got to wait until I get a, a new studio, so to speak, where I can do my business. And I'm going to be straight with you,
0: fam. I'm a little burned out from editing and researching. I want to take a little vacation, go in the woods.
1: We got to hire a researcher.
0: We do, man. All right. We need money.
1: But not yet, everybody. Not yet. We're not off yet. When this episode drops, don't forget. check out Instagram, look for our post, and then I want you to respond with your sh- idea for a, a, a show idea, topic idea, and you can be in the- whatever you want to hear us cover. And if we pick you, you will win. What's the name of the book? Josh?
0: The Field Guide to Extraterrestrials yep. By
1: Patrick Hoig you Gay. doing a great job with that name Alright, that's very exciting That's a very exciting gift Huyge. Just for listening And make some friends, we want to hear about it Oh, you got two episodes, alright Got a couple weeks Josh Dennis I think that's all the time we have for Satan That's all it took He'll be back though <laughs> I'll be back
0: <laughs> I'm seeing
1: Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Best Friend Simulator. Send us an email at joshandennis at gmail.com. That's Dennis with one N. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best Friend Simulator.
1: And thanks to Alan for the theme music. Listen to his podcast, Werewolf Ambulance, and Marveling at Marvel's Marvels. Also, thanks to Justin for the artwork. See more of his stuff at Burntobuild.com. That's all the time we have for this outro. Bye. Bye. Now, 18% include allegations of satanic ritual abuse. of what, Dennis? (laughs) What does that sentence mean?